Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how's it going today? Well, I'm, I'm doing well, Edward. Uh, my holiday weekend was uh, fantastic. I feel like I made a purchase, bought a new TV, uh, went and spent some time with family, went and saw Ghostbusters, the new one that came out. Um, so pretty good. Uh, the Bulls, on the other hand, though, I haven't been doing too well recently. Uh, we, we, we had predicted what, like, uh, three and one on this week and they went one and three. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not, uh, that is not something that uh, has been going well. There's obviously various reasons for the, for why some of these losses have happened. Um, we'll get into that, but yeah, uh, I'm well bulls. Not so much. Yeah. On the last show with Morton Jensen, we predicted four and one for the bulls in this five game stretch. And right now they are, uh, one and three. So uh, <laughs> we might have had a little bit to do with some of the bad luck. Maybe we jinxed them. Maybe we got a little overconfident. But hey, we were feeling really good about the team. And, you know, what's happened since then has been really unfortunate. But we're going to get into all of that. Happy belated Thanksgiving to uh, all of our listeners out there. Hope everyone's also been having a great uh, holiday weekend as well. And to joining us to break down these uh some unfortunate losses for the bulls uh this week he's the host of the rebuildable podcast we always love talking with him we both have appeared on this show uh multiple times before is matt jenzow matt thank you for dropping by man to discuss the bulls with us man well i appreciate you guys having me and you know i mean salim you've been on rebuildable uh, i think the most of any guest that i've had on so Definitely. Always, always love having you on my podcast. Love to be on yours. And Edward, you're always a very fun guest. And honestly, you, you make a lot of like really sound predictions. So that's why I'm really disappointed with, with some of the stuff you guys have done with uh, predicting a, a three and one stretch there. <laughs> Ask backwards. On both of you. We were feeling really good, uh, you know, in the holiday spirit and Four and one felt good. You looked at the schedule that Pacers, Rockets, Orlando, Miami was the one loss that I had. And mm-hmm, yeah. uh, Charlotte, we'll see what happens Monday with that. But it, it seemed practical at the time and it just didn't play out that way. <laughs> yeah, it's uh we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's definitely always fun going on on Matt's pod. And I'm I'm personally always jealous of his beard because he has that nice little you know, uh, it seems like it has grows in really like perfectly how you want it to grow in. And he probably doesn't have to do as much work to like get that shape down. I, that's, I get jealous of that. <laughs> a, few, a few things about that. One, I'm Italian. So, you know, the hairiness kind of comes naturally. But two, it did take some work. Like when I was younger, I could not get this to connect properly i had a mustache <laughs> and chops and then eventually you know because you just keep shaving those spots it just it starts to grow in evenly so over time it got to that point but uh yeah i'm, I'm pretty I, I gotta admit i'm pretty lucky to have a, a decent beard but um, <laughs> there's still a lot of beards i see out there that i'm trying to strive to to get to yeah but, my mine does grow my face is just hairy in general so like it, yeah. it's like work to get the shape diet and everything and there's sometimes i screw it up and then i have to shave it all off and mm-hmm. you know it just kind of i mean i i not not to get too much into make this into beer uh beard beard gold but beard gold. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah it's uh 
It's basically I like I've thought about having someone like shape it at at, at like when I go to get my hair mm-hmm. and stuff, but I don't know if they would be able to like because it's just such a weird like like I said it just like my my face up to like the tip of my cheekbones is hair <laughs> essentially. So like I have to like I have to shape that all around. It's like I get even the neck beard too. So like it's from like my neck to like the tip of my cheekbones is mm-hmm. hair. <laughs> yeah, very very Kyle Wharton esque. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm a I'm a I'm, I, I am like, I'm, I, I have that, I guess I have that Italian in me. I'm a hairy dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, maybe, maybe the Bulls will get to the point where they can start doing playoff beards. I remember back in the day, like teams mm. did, the Knicks used to do, everyone shaved their head bald. So maybe the Bulls can do playoff beards, but until they can, you know, un- until then they got to actually get to the playoffs and they actually have to take care of business with the uh, teams that they're supposed to beat. And we saw this past week, they, they had a schedule loss, I think a lot of people are calling it, to the Indiana Pacers where they lost 109-77. to Then I think we, we kind of we put that one to the side. We're like, okay, you know, whatever, fine. Then Wednesday comes and they're playing well against Houston at first. And then Houston kind of hung in there for a little bit enough to take the lead and eventually put the Bulls away 118-113. to So then the Bulls turn around on Friday. They took care of business in Orlando. More of a, uh, how would you call it? Kind of a get-right game, I guess, to just be like, hey, you know, we're, we still got this. We're still good. All good vibes there. And then we have a big game uh, yesterday against Miami. Pretty close game. Bulls just weren't able to get the win. Lost 107-104. to And again, playing the Hornets uh, Monday. So we'll see how that turns out. So let's start with you, Matt. What are your thoughts on this this recent string of games? Do you think it's cause for a level of concern? Do you think it's you know much to do about nothing? But what are your overall thoughts on what has happened recently with the Bulls? I think that I have a little bit of concern. Like, I don't want to say that I'm going to you know, hit the panic button or anything like that. Um, you know, it, it feels nice to finally be pissed off about games for, you know, first time in a long time. Um, but, you know, at the same time, like as happy as I am to see this team come out of the gate the way they have, and I think they've probably exceeded my expectations. I think some of the things that I was concerned about are slightly taking shape, especially when we look at half court offense and, you know, some of those issues starting to pop up. I think that's where my level I'm starting to get just a little bit concerned. You know, you saw it against the Pacers, but like you said, it's a back-to-back. After a really long stretch, you're home. You kind of expected that. Okay, that happens. But, you know, against the Rockets and recently against the Heat, I think you saw some of these issues pop up where teams are starting to throw zones out at the Bulls. And really it started, I I think you started to see some of it happen on the West Coast trip. But then when they got back and played the Knicks, even though it was a win, you started to see the Bulls starting to struggle in that half court set when teams start throwing zone at them. And, you know, I think that's where in the in this stretch here, you started to see that with the Pacers. I think Rick Carlisle threw a lot of zone looks at them. That's the Rockets. And then recently against the Heat and, you know, against Miami, are you going to have games where Zach Levine, you know, struggles the way he did? Are you going to have games where Vooch struggles at the level he struggled at? Yes, I know he's had some unevenness here, especially offensively, but I don't think you're going to have games where they struggle together at the same time. So I'm a little bit concerned, I think, as competition stiffens and we want to talk about, you know, the, the margin of error against the top teams in the Eastern conference. I think it's something that we just have to have in the back of our minds. You hope that they start to get right. These things, you know, even out a little bit more, they, they find ways to kind of break some of the, that zone, but I'm a little bit concerned, but not, not hitting the panic button by any means. Yeah. You talked about the zone and how they are struggling to kind of execute on that. I think you saw a little of adjustment there and, against Miami where they kind of had Alex Caruso um, who kind of got in the middle of the court. He was making good read, made a couple of good reads to, I think it was DJJ. Um, you also saw him actually talking to DJJ during the timeout um, and kind of saying, okay, well, like letting him know, look, when, when this happens, you can cut to the basket and I'll find you. Um, 
you know, and a, a couple of things too is just also just missing shots. I feel like like they had a lot of open looks, and obviously some of the looks were to guys that are not ideal. Like uh, DeRozan has been shooting the three ball uh, better this season than he has in his career, but again, he's a guy that teams are going to want to let shoot that three ball as opposed to like a guy like Zach or Lonzo or whatever. But like I said, you know, there's a lot of open shots that this team missed as well. And I also wonder it while obviously they do need to figure out a way to um, adjust to the zone and, and find a way to beat the zone in the half court, like tired legs, I feel like could have been played into some of the issues that they had last night. And, and not the excuse. I think this, the the game against the Rockets is just an inexcusable. I think they just kind of were very lackadaisical that game. But what are your thoughts on that as far as like that tired legs and this, this grueling schedule that they've started out with? Uh, I, I definitely think that does play a major factor into, you know, that unevenness. But, you know, I like to think that you can overcome that or you find ways to overcome that. Um, you know, it happens in the NBA, but I felt like the Pacer game was that game maybe where the tired legs set in. Rick Carlisle is a really good coach. And I think the Pacers do have some talented players, despite what the record is. So that happens, but you know, that games against the Rockets, like that should have been your get right game, you know? And I know, you had to go to, to Houston, you know, and, but you had a, a day in between there to kind of, you know, get your legs right, get healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know if I want to totally fall back on that. I'm, I'm sure it did play a role into it, but um, you know, I, I just, I do think that there, I think there are some, you know, concerns that we are seeing, especially like, like I said earlier with, with half court offense, I think that's been, something that's been rearing its ugly head. So I, I, I guess I don't know if I want to use though fatigue as a, as an excuse yet. Um, you know, and now thankfully though, the, the schedule does get a little bit easier in the next month or so where, you know, I think there, there might be some opportunities like they don't have, they have more time where they have some long layoffs in, in between games. So it might help. We'll see, but I don't know if I want to use that as a, as a total excuse quite yet. Yeah, the the things that, in addition to the things that Salim said, the things that continue to stick out to me are uh, Vooch, you know, he just came back from uh, the COVID-19 list. So, you know, he's still been struggling a little bit and he's been struggling overall on the season. So I think that's a gear that the Bulls eventually need to kind of pick up at some point. And Javante Green is still in the starting lineup, which, you know, on some nights he does bring some good energy and he, he plays hard, plays some good defense, but still kind of a, a tough thing when he's not really a, a shooter and he does get some open looks. He can be left open. And I feel like when we get to the postseason, that's a matchup that teams can start to exploit. You're going to see him get a lot more open looks. So I think that's one of the causes for concern. And I think that's one thing that when we were talking to, uh, uh, more last week when we were talking about the Harrison Barnes, like a Harrison Barnes trade, I think that's kind of the logic in it where you can get someone who is a threat to hit that open shot and it creates a more steady, I think, and sustainable offense and makes it a little bit tougher to guard this team. But what are your thoughts overall on just how Vooch has looked since coming back? And do you think that he's eventually going to pick up his play and we're going to start to see more of the Vooch that we saw last season. I, I do think eventually he is going to, to turn around and like I, it's, I, I was a big fan of the Vooch trade. I'll, I'll kind of just put that, that out there for maybe some of your listeners that haven't heard rebuildable podcast, but I, I've been a, a big supporter of the Vooch trade. I thought it was the right move to make at the deadline last year. I thought, being able to add a productive all-star caliber center to this unit, um, you know, was, was vital. And I think, you know, it, it, part of me knew that production would slip just with the addition of DeMar DeRozan with Zach Levine, 
like I, I knew that he would struggle. I didn't see inefficiency coming. And that's, I think, one thing that's been a little bit concerning to me. Like we've, you know, even before he went out with COVID, we saw, you know, he was struggling to hit some open looks. He struggled around the basket. And, uh, you know, even against you know, Miami yesterday, we saw he struggled with, you know, even being aggressive, getting some shots near the basket. So I, I am a little concerned with what's going on with Vooch, but I do think, as the season goes on, this is still a team that's trying to learn how to play with each other. And mm-hmm. I think it's because we've seen them come out of the gate so strong that you know, we're just kind of expecting everything to easily fall into place. But somebody like Vooch, it is going to take time to adjust. Even if you look back to last year, you know, he and Zach didn't really have a chance to get on the same page. Zach was out for a good chunk of time. And so, Vooch was sort of pressed into that similar role he had with Orlando, almost of being a de facto number one. So now, you know, you're being told to basically take that, that role as a, as a number three. And I think it's, you know, he's still trying to, to find his way through it. I think if we get to this point in January where we start to see some of, you know, the issues we're seeing now with him being aggressive or missing a lot of open looks or, you know, I guess just having sometimes just a case of the yips, it seems like I, then I might be a little, little more concerned, but I do think, I think, you know, knowing Vooch and just how he's been his whole career, I do think at some point he could turn it around. Um, I don't think age is a factor. I'm not seeing like, I don't think he's looked tired or old or anything like that. I think it's just been trying to find his rhythm in this offense and just with these new pieces. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I think it's, like we've been saying similar things where it it's not like he's been playing like taking bad shots or making a lot of mental mistakes. The shots he takes are very good shots. They're practical. He's just not making them. <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's had you know moments where he's missed wide open looks. Like, you know, he's it, he's got that sweet spot like right at the top of the three-point arc and you know, he'll get like a, a nice wide open look and he just misses it or he's down low uh, his usual shots where he's like right at the rim and he's just missing them. So I, I, I don't know. It, maybe it's just that, that feeling he needs to get to a certain rhythm because I, I think there's just something maybe slightly mentally of just trying to get into the rhythm of, of his game that might be throwing him off, but you're right. He's most of the cases it's wide open looks he's missing and they're not bad takes at all. Yeah. I think, you know, you talk about when we talk about the bull struggles in the zone, like you again, you look at last night, and we were talking about how Billy made that adjustment and got Caruso in the middle. You know, in general, to beat the zone, you get to kind of get in the middle of the of the court and, and the paint, and that'll kind of open up like spots for you. And it opened up like the corner at the corner a lot of times. So there's twice, like I said, one time it was that when he uh, lobbed it up to DJJ cutting to the basket. The other two times he passed it, I believe, to Kobe uh, twice. Kobe once missed a wide open three. And the other time, he instead of shooting the ball, he ended up traveling or I think he like stepped out of bounds um, trying to do too much. I think like we talk about obviously Vucic struggles. Kobe has struggled too coming back since um, he's he's had up and down. Like he's been streaky. He's had good game and then a bad game and then a good game. And a bad game. Um, yesterday, you saw him. I thought he was kind of pressing a little bit on offense, not kind of doing in the flow of it. Like he he had, like I said, he he missed open shots, but then when he would also kind of, he had that one drive to the basket where he, I don't know what he was doing, and he threw up like a weird angled um, shot at the rim. It was it was almost like I was like, like what's going on there, man? What are you like? What's going on to your head in that situation? Um, so yeah, those, those guys struggles have, have taken a big effect on, on the bulls as well. Like you see Vooch who's shooting now career wise, he's not like a, like a sniper by any means. Like last season, he shot 40%. That could have been an outlier year for him. Uh, but he's career wise, he's like a 35% shooter. And that's, that's solid for a big man. Uh, this season he's only shooting 26%. Uh, Kobe as well, who's a 35% shooter. Again, that's not bad. I mean, he's streaky, but 
volume is there and he's generally at least can knock down the open catch and shoot ones uh, to a, to a fairly well uh, at a fairly well rate. And this season he's shooting like 22%. Yeah. It's worse than Booch. So I, I think that's playing into this too, as far as the bulls trying to incorporate these guys into the offense. Um, so many new moving parts. And that's what sucks. Not having everyone at from the beginning of the season where now you're coming in 20 games in, you're trying to incorporate a big piece like Kobe. And again, with Vooch missing time from with COVID, now you have to incorporate him into the offense as well. So I think chemistry, my thoughts are that chemistry can also play into it too. Yeah, and I, I think that, is probably a, a big part of it. Like chemistry, like I was saying, you have a, a team that, again, I, I get it. They're, they're 13 and eight, but it, this is a lot of new pieces that are on this team. Like you, you have two holdovers that started the year, uh, you know, prior to the 2021 season. And, you know, you're just trying to get all these, these pieces adjusting to one another. So it's, I think like, I don't know. And I'm curious what you guys think, but do you think we kind of got spoiled with this hot start a little bit? And, you know, we're now kind of like seeing, Oh wait, the, things actually have to come together and gel. Like yeah. there are some things that, that do take time to kind of come together. I think that's the hot start. It's kind of, like I said, you know, I, I don't, I don't like making too many excuses, but like, coming out of this grueling schedule and they're sitting 13 and eight. Um, I'll see, I mean, obviously the, some of the losses they've had are just head scratchers. Like I wasn't even really upset about last night's loss. Cause it's kind of like, you know, you like, I thought defensively for the most part, they were really good again. Um, I didn't see a lot of issues. Yeah. They, they had some miscues. Um, especially you have guys like Gabe Vincent, Vincent who they left open off often. Um, and then you have games again, like you see like defensively, their sound offensively is where the real issue has been with this team. Like before the season, if you had told me that the bulls were a top five defense, I think they were fifth ranked last that I saw. I don't know if that's changed since last night, but, um, they were fifth ranked at least going into last night's game. And the, the offense was ranked 13th. Like going into the season, I would have think that would have been reversed. Like I figured the offense would have figured it out and clicked to a degree where they were like an elite offensive team. And then defensively, you know, they wouldn't have been terrible. Like a lot of people were saying they would be, but they would have been average to above average there. Um, that's, that's been confusing and then like when you look at also like i said some of the games that they've blown um teams like the rockets and stuff like that like you shouldn't be losing to those teams so i get like the schedule early on has been tough so i i i feel like the hot start is it's kind of like you know they they've beaten the odds a little bit here too yeah i i agree i think We've raised the bar as they've played. I think we were uh, we were optimistic, but I think we were also conservative in terms of where we thought the team would finish uh, in the Eastern Conference. And they've been in the top three or four through almost a quarter of the season so far. So I think we've raised the bar because I think we see that this team could potentially make a run if the pieces fall into place uh, properly. So it's a little bit of a, a different judgment now, but I, I think it's it's so hard to kind of the, the Rockets loss. I can't really forgive them for that, even though they did beat the Hornets, like I think a couple of nights later, but I can't really forgive them for that. So I think sometimes I feel like they do walk into these games and they're starting to feel themselves a little too much, but overall it's, it's still kind of a process here where you're trying to get so many different pieces acclimated where Vooch is struggling, where Kobe is trying to get it together after missing so much time with a, a shoulder injury. And you're still missing Patrick Williams. You're not going to get back, I guess, maybe not even until the playoffs. Who knows? But it, it's there's still so much going on. But 
I, I look at these. The, the encouraging thing for me, though, is that when I look at how they played so far against the teams in the top of the Eastern Conference, they played really well. I mean, they they didn't beat Miami last night, but it wasn't like they laid an egg. They could have won that game. They beat Brooklyn. That was a pretty good game. Uh, we haven't seen them against Milwaukee. They did lose to Philly twice. But overall, like I think that they have shown that they belong so far in the top of the Eastern Conference. Like This is a pretty good team. And the good thing is that there are still improvements that they can realistically make that can make them even better. A hundred percent. And like that, I think is probably the one encouraging sign that you have to take from it. Right. Like to your point, you know, they played well against some of the competition in the Eastern conference, but they went through the meat grinder out West and held their own pretty well. Um, And, you know, I I know that there was some, you know, LeBron was out for the the Lakers and um, you had the, uh, you know, shorthanded nuggets without, you know, Jokic, but still the, the bulls came out of that stretch pretty well. And there's, you know, guys sit out every night in the NBA that happens, you know, the bulls didn't have Vooch on most of that stretch, the, the whole stretch. They did fine. Um, that's, that's how the NBA is. So, you know, it, they've, they've been impressive. I think in, in some of these cases, you want to see them. I want to see them, I guess, throttle more of the, the lowly competition, you know, for sure. Cause if you start doing that, the other thing you got to think about too, if you're a top team, you, you want to do some level of load management at some point. Um, you know, which I, I feel like the bulls haven't really had a, a chance to do in some of these, some of these games, right. They've had a really, ex, you know, spend a lot of energy to, to hang into some of these games. So you want to get to a point where, you start beating up on some of this lowly competition. You start sending in, you know, Matt Jones as your victory cigar and, you know, start letting some of these guys rest a little bit more so that when you do face some of the, the bigger competition down the stretch and we start talking about playoff series, these guys are well rested. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, for me and I, Sorry if I'm kind of hijacking. I'm so used to asking questions, so sometimes <laughs> no, it's, it's all like, good. <laughs> no, no, please do, please do. Um, but I'm actually one thing. Like I, I know watching this, um, and I'm curious what your thoughts are. Like I, I know what my answer is going to be, but um, when you're watching these, what do you think is the biggest need for the for the Bulls? If you had to make a key acquisition, like trade trade deadline or you know, waiver claim post deadline, like what would you like to see added to this unit in order to really like establish a top spot in the Eastern conference for playoff seating or to, you know, try to make a run in the playoffs. What do you think this team needs? I think it's, I think, oh, go ahead. no, I'd say, I think there's been a lot of conversation on that and um, definitely you need a more reliable four. Um, if that, whether that's starting or someone coming off the bench uh, that, you can that's mine too yeah so you know it's hard to say where what if they should just make a move now i'm like i've been a proponent of trying to see if you can get what you can become once kobe and booch are you know fully integrated and playing their regular games like i don't i like i said i don't expect booch to be like you know what he did last season um Cause that like maybe some of his shooting percentages, like especially behind the three point line were uh, outliers, but if like, let's say he gets back to consistently at his career percentages that's across the board and, you know, Kobe gets back to being that consistent off ball catch and shoot guy. And that does like his things. Um, well, how good is this team at that point? And then at that point, it's like, okay, do we need to add, just a solid four, whether that's a backup, you know, or do we need to still make a big trade? Um, because I like, like Edward and like you say, you know, the East right now is, it's pretty wide open. I mean, I think the bucks are still the favorites. I think you, you see, uh, you saw them have a slow start because of COVID and all these other things. They were, they were missing Middleton for like three weeks. And then they were missing like Brooke Lopez. They were missing all these key parts here and there. Uh, Drew Holiday was out for a little bit too, I believe. So now you see them getting healthy and they're starting to like just rattle off wins here. And 
I, I still think they're probably they're the best team in the East at this point. Um, and I don't think any other team in the East has really said, you know what, this is our conference that we have to wear. So outside of the Bucks, I agree that I think this the East you can get the second seed and potentially avoid a team like Milwaukee till the conference finals. So, so like, like thinking of that, I, I still, I, I'm still hesitant to know exactly what type of move this team needs to make. Just because like I said, you know, it's, we, we can talk about Harrison Barnes making a big splash for him. You know, Mort, Mort was with us last week and he mentioned like you could get him for Pat and DJJ. If that's all it takes, sure. But I just feel like, I feel like they would probably want more in return. And at that point, it's like, what more would they want? Would we have to give up both Kobe and Pat? Is that good? It might be worth it. Um, I'm sure you can always stagger the rotation so you're not too much worried about uh, bench uh, scoring in, in in the second unit that's coming in. Um, and then on top, and then after, and then outside of Harrison Barnes, is it a smaller move? Like I said, you know, I, I kind of rambling there, kind of getting all over the place. But I just, I just like, I just, I don't know yet exactly what move this team will will need for sure. But, yeah, it's uh to me, it's shooting. Like when you watch these games, the three point shooting from game to game is their percentage isn't bad overall. They shoot thirty six percent, but I think it's the it's it's the value more than anything that they don't have a lot of makes and we see in games like the Miami game where you're just missing open shots and I, I'm pretty sure that most of those three-point attempts from that Miami game were between Lonzo Ball and Zach Levine so I, I think they took 21 combined threes so they were what seven for 21 I, I could be off on that but they were really the only two like high volume like shooters that you really had taking that many shots. But to me, it, it really is shooting because that's the upside that you need in the playoffs. You need that ability to be able to make a lot of threes between your team and it can really get you on a roll. And I think that potential is there when you look at the scores that you have on this team. When you have Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, if you can put a bunch of shooters on that court, you're talking something really dangerous. So I think obviously Kobe White is a factor in this. If he can get back to even just being the player that he has been the last couple of seasons, that's a significant development for this team because he's a street shooter who can get hot at any time. I think Salim is right that you do need a more consistent and stable power forward. Harrison Barnes obviously would be the dream acquisition there because not only is he at least a respectable defender, but he can get his, he's improved more as a playmaker. He's improved more as a shot creator. He can knock down that open three. He's been hitting like a really, really good percentage, I believe, on corner threes this season and assisted three point shots. He's a battle tested veteran. So he, he checks a lot of the boxes that you want. So to me, Harrison Barnes would just be the optimal acquisition that you could make. So Going into the trade deadline, I, I do think that shooting has to be a priority because even though we do have some really athletic and long defenders who are coming off the bench, when you talk about uh, Derek Jones Jr., when you talk about uh, Javante Green, obviously, uh, you know, Alizé Johnson, uh, we have a lot of guys who can you know play hard on that end, but we just don't have the shooting between them. And I, I think when we were on our prediction show when we were talking about rotation players and who would play. I think that was the one thing we talked about is the player who would play the most out of some of those guys on the bench would be the guy who could at least show that he could be a threat from the perimeter. And so far we really haven't got that, but I think that shooting is really, that's what this team really needs because it will swing a lot of what uh, it'll swing some games. I think right now they're 28th and makes so that's just kind of self-explanatory to me. Yeah, I think, and then because, like you said, Harrison Barnes solves that portion too. Yeah, and I you mean, can, yeah. and like we were talking about with more on the last show, when you get to the playoffs, and you know, obviously that's far ahead, but when you get to the playoffs, 
rotations are going to short, going to be shortened. Mm-hmm. They're going to be real tight. And teams will play seven guys, eight guys, might play nine. You might even have a game where you just play six guys. So it, it's it's really going to come down to the quality of your starting lineup and maybe one or two guys off the bench. And if I'm thinking of a move like Harrison Barnes, I'm thinking, man, the Bulls all of a sudden now have one of the most complete starting lineups in basketball. And then you have got a guy like Caruso who you can bring off the bench. Uh, maybe Io or Kobe can play too. Uh, it, it would be really, really credible. So I think that's what you're looking to do in before the trade deadline. I don't know if it's possible, but if you can complete the starting lineup and add three-point shooting, then I think this team gets a lot better. I, so Harrison Barnes would be like the freaking unicorn right there because it, it really does solve like both problems that you're bringing up. Yeah. But you bring up Celine, what you bring up Edward. So real quick, what, and Morton's trade proposal was, it was Kobe White, Derek Jones Jr. No, he, he mentioned what was like it? Pat and DJJ yeah. would. Okay potentially be enough. And if that's what it would take, I love Pat and I, I still believe Pat will be a good player one day. But when you consider where the Bulls are at, a guy like Harrison Barnes that I've, I've mentioned before that Harrison Barnes, I think people are underselling him. I Like I kind of undersold him too. And then I watched one or two Knicks, uh, sorry, Knicks and Kings games. I was like, oh wow, he's actually developed a little bit more than, what he's been the last couple of seasons. Like I, I compared it to he's kind of become that player. People thought he would be coming into the league. Like that's why he was before he went into college. There's a reason he was ranked the number one player in the nation as mm-hmm. a prospect. And then obviously coming into the draft, he still had a decent amount of potential. Then people sign him. I think he's starting to live up to that a little bit. So, but that's what Mort said, not to, again, to ramble into Harrison Barnes and what his potential is, but Mort said Pat and DJJ. And if that's what it would take, I think that's a no brainer for the Bulls. Yeah. And this kind of goes back into, because a, a bunch of people were tweeting after the Orlando game, of course, about the Wendell Carter Jr. and uh, Franz Wagner uh, first round pick trade for uh, Vooch. And it was more of a discussion about, you know, of course, Vooch is playing badly right now and Wendell is having this improved season and Wagner looks like a really solid player and they still have another first round pick out of it. So it comes down to a conversation of do you make trades knowing that you're going to lose that there's a high chance that you're going to lose out on the asset part of it, because Mm -hmm. in a year or two, it's probably it's probable that I think Patrick Williams will be a better asset than someone like Harrison Barnes, at least in terms of trades. But if it's something that can give you a theoretical better chance of winning right now, do you do that deal? And I think that's what they were going through when they made that Vooch deal. And I think that would kind of be the same process if you did trade Patrick Williams and Derrick Jones Jr. for Harrison Barnes, because it it comes with a chance to have a really, really good starting lineup that could really compete in the next few years it's not it's not necessarily going to be that the bulls are going to be a championship you know team but Mm -hmm. it it gives you a a sliver of a chance and i think that's the most that you can you can hope for because right now in the eastern conference is it is it wide is it wide open right now to to either of you is is Brooklyn a world beater? Is Milwaukee are they? I think Milwaukee is going to be better, you know, as we get towards the end of the season. But I, I feel like some. I think I feel like there's not an unbeatable team in the NBA. There's not a Golden State with Kevin Durant. There's not that type of team. So depending on the breaks that you get, you could really give yourself a chance to maybe get to the NBA Finals if everything falls into place right. I, I do agree that it's it's wide open, I feel like, and this is just my opinion, I feel like it's wide open in terms of the regular season and where they could finish. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think there's a really good chance the Bulls could, if they wanted to, and I even said this before the season started, because I felt like there was just a hodgepodge. I thought Brooklyn could go into a, a load management mode. There's the Kyrie uncertainty with Philly, I wasn't sure about all the issues with Ben Simmons, Milwaukee. 
having a you know an extended run and a bit of a championship hangover, could they get off to a slow start? I said, you know, hey, it wouldn't surprise me if the Bulls finish with, you know, third seed, second seed. I definitely think that's a possibility. I don't know if it's as wide open where I would feel comfortable saying they could make like a Phoenix Suns type run to the finals. I, mm-hmm. I'm not there quite yet. Um, I still think this is probably a team that's got a, a second round ceiling. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think they can, you know, build towards that. I don't know. Would Harrison Barnes be a piece though that could take them to that I think so. chance to get to the finals or win it? I don't know yet. I, I probably would have to see a little bit more, but I don't know if it's to me, I don't know if it's that wide open. Maybe I still think in my head Milwaukee and Brooklyn are the are the clear favorites to probably get to the finals. No, I think I think you're right. Like I think you're right that Brooklyn and Milwaukee should definitely be the clear top two in the Eastern Conference. But I guess like for me, it's just is there a chance that if the Bulls get their stuff together, could they take a team like that? to the limit in a seven game series like we have if DeRozan and Levine continue playing at this level they've both been 25 plus point per game scores this season and I think they've been top like two top 15 20 ish players in the league at least a quarter of the way I guess that's fair if they're that quality the rest of the way and you improve some three-point shooting and your defense doesn't fall off I, I would give them a chance against a team like Brooklyn or Milwaukee in a series. Not like now they very well could lose. Milwaukee will probably be favored against most teams in the Eastern Conference. Well, I, I think just you just want a chance, right? You just want mm-hmm. like even a even a two or three percent chance at a championship. Is that worth it to potentially move uh, Patrick Williams in a trade? And you know what, to your you know, we were talking about the issues earlier about half court offense, right? Mm. Trying to break a zone. What breaks a zone? Really good shooters. Yes. So if you do have the ability to space the floor, you know, you add a Harrison Barnes, it does give you that capability. So maybe you can take a team like that to a, to an extended series. I guess I'm a little more like, I don't know, maybe a little more guard or a little more, uh, I guess, nervous to to pull the trigger if it's the package that we're talking about (laughs) with patrick williams i i might do it just because you know we we saw what happens you have to sometimes crack a crack a few eggs to make an omelet right so like why not at least go for it because we had a, a regime in the Derrick rose era that didn't necessarily pull that trigger to just try to go for it sometimes so like yeah. We, we've been on that side of it. Maybe it's worth just taking a shot with it because honestly, this front office showed you they're probably aggressive enough to correct the mistake if need be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like you said, you know, it's to, for me, the East, like I said, I think the Bucks are still going to be the team to beat. Um, But like I said, you make the right move. And I guess, and here's another thing. And I, I've been saying, I, I, I kind of counterpoint my original thought and saying that, well, I don't know how soon the bull should make the move, but let's say if you do that Harrison Bards deal, I think in that sense, it makes sense to do it sooner than later because then you have to get Harrison Barnes, um, you know, assimilated into the offense. So if you are going to make a big move, you want to have that done like as soon as possible, because then you don't want to wait till the trade that like, like we saw last year, what happened? Um, with getting Vooch and we were expecting obviously the play in and then, you know, we, un- the unfortunate situation with Zach missing like two weeks for COVID, but that not ha- them not having that cohesiveness played into part two. So if you trade for a guy like Harrison Barnes to me, while I did say that, you know, I, I want to see what this team do- does with Kobe and Vooch and, and, and full force into the lineup. Um, I think it does make sense for a big trade to happen like like w- within this month, within December, if you will, before or maybe start of January instead of waiting till March to make a move like that because it's going to be tough to try to integrate 
uh, what, whatever the trade deadline is, February, probably February this year, the trade yeah. deadline is not March. Uh, but like I said, it makes more sense to do it like a few months before the playoffs start so you can try to have chemistry built and the cohesiveness to to build together as well. Well, and the other thing too, like when we're talking about potential fours to add, right? Um, you know, if you're looking to kind of go bargain buying and just kind of add depth, right? I mean, who are we talking about that's probably going to be avail- available? Are we talking like the you know, Trey Lyles, Chris Boucher's of the world that could be on the market because, you know, their, their teams are falling back. Like, I don't know if we're going to have anybody there that could be of, you know, major value. Um, you know, I, the only thing that I could see maybe the Bulls adding would be those kind of guys to add some depth or, you know, just a couple of shooters maybe. Like, I, I don't know if, if you could make like that kind of a marquee move. Like, I, I don't know what's going to be available to you other than than those kind of guys. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting because the Bulls they don't have a lot of uh they don't have a lot of pieces that they can move right now because obviously a lot of, you know, new pieces on their roster and, you know, free agent signings and whatnot. So the the players that you would probably want to move or the Derrick Jones Jr. contract and even then he's been very useful for Bulls this season. So you're, you're kind of short on what you can do. I, I think the uh, trade exception that they got in the Daniel uh, Tice sign and trade is like 5 million, is it? It's something small. Uh, so mm-hmm. it's not a, a whole lot. So yeah, your your options are kind of uh, limited. So it's going to be interesting to see what AK and uh, Eversley do. But if they're, if they're swinging for offenses and they feel like I think the one thing that I'll always take away, and you mentioned it from the Derrick Rose, those Derrick Rose teams, is that you, even though you have something really good right now, you never know when it can end. So taking advantage of it right now in the moment makes sense to at least say, hey, we we tried when, you know, when the iron was hot. We tried when everything was aligned and, you know, whether it worked or not, it is what it is. But you put it all out there at the time and. You didn't wait until it's too late. So to me, if they can get a guy like Barnes or they can get, I'm not sure whatever two-way power forwards fit the bill that are kind of similar, but if they can get something like that, I think it definitely will take them up a notch. I I think in in a random comment on on the scope of the NBA too, I I would say like the Warriors seem like they'll be like essentially like unbeatable because they (laughs) don't have clay yet. Like, I, I, like you know, I, I was one of the people that wonder, like, okay, well, what if Clay is not Clay? But then you think about it, it's like, well, Clay doesn't need to do a lot of movement to be Clay. Like, he, he's not someone, like, even if he becomes a stationary shooter, which, you know, we've seen him be, like, obviously, he, he he's known to kind of run around on screens and stuff, too, which I don't think will be a problem for him. Um, like we've seen where, you know, he scored like 60, what, three points on 11 dribbles. <laughs> like, so like, you know, we, we've seen him be able to, uh, not, he's not a guy that relies on his athleticism to integrate into anything and him coming in and playing with that team, you know, he's played with all these guys for so many years. The chemistry is already there. They know, you know, each other's tendencies, so like that team right there just seems like unbeatable. But like I said, getting to the finals in the East, um, outside of the Bucks, you know, it's if you can avoid the Bucks in the second round, um, yeah, that's that's worth a shot to take. Mm. Yeah, the the Warriors are looking really good. <laughs> yeah, this year, seventeen two. I definitely didn't expect that. Uh, For that matter, Suns. Oh, that I've yeah, been mentioning are, like yeah, 16, sixteen game winning streak. Yeah, 16 just after row. after that weird start they had, they've just kind of been like, "Nah, we're not losing again." <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so let, let's look ahead a little bit. So we we mentioned the the Hornets game uh, Monday. So that game will be happening as most people hear this. So after the Hornets game, we play the Knicks again. I feel like we played the Knicks ten times already this season, but we played the Knicks uh, Thursday. Then we're at Brooklyn. And then Denver Monday and then Cleveland. So that is the next uh, five games. So Charlotte, New York, Brooklyn, Denver, Cleveland. 
So, Matt, how do you think this team is going to do in this stretch? Uh, we haven't played the Hornets yet, but the Hornets, have, they've played relatively well. Even, they, even though they lost to Houston, they have played relatively solid. They do have a lot of firepower. The Knicks, they'll play better at home, I feel like. Brooklyn, same thing. And you, you can never count out a team with KD and Harden. Denver, uh, we kind of know what we're going to get from that. And one, two, three, four... Oh, yeah, Cleveland. So Cleveland at Cleveland on the uh, Wednesday. So how do you think they're going to do in a stretch? How do I think they're going to do? Um, I, I guess I feel like they're hitting this little bit of a, a rough patch. So I'm the number that keeps popping in my head is, is the record that keeps popping in my head is two and three. Mm-hmm. I think we're actually going to get a bit of a, I think, a rough stretch here because that, that – Three games in the middle there: Knicks, Nets, Nuggets. That's uh, that, that that's a rough stretch right there. Um, and this Hornets matchup is no joke either. By the way, coming out of that Cleveland game too, you, congratulations! You get the Heat again on Saturday night on December 11th. So <laughs> yeah. that's I mean that's that's a that's a rough stretch. So I, I could see I could see this going two and three. Um, I don't mean to be a, a Debbie Downer. But I feel like that Knicks, Nets, Nuggets stretch, I don't like it. Um, you know, I, I think it could be a game where, or it could be a stretch where the Bulls, you know, if they beat the Hornets, you know, maybe they, I don't want to say they would lose three straight, but I don't know. That's just the number that's sticking out in my head. I have a feeling just that initially that. They lose to the Hornets tomorrow and then lose two of those three against the Knicks, Nets, Nuggets. So, hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I, <laughs> I always try to be somewhat optimistic, but I don't know. I just have that feeling. Like, I feel like we're hitting that stretch of the season where these things tend to happen, you know? Yeah. Um, it, and so, like, you know, I, I just, I could definitely. I can definitely see that in that stretch. Yeah. I don't know. I look at it and it's like, I think they're going to, it's going to help that they have like days off. Mm-hmm. I guess I keep saying like, you know, some of the issues with missed shots is tired legs. Like that's true. So many shots that they were missing yesterday were like just short. And to me, that's just a sign of tired legs. So you, after the Hornets game, you get two days rest and then you yeah. go to New York um, it helps that it, they're, the games against the Knicks and the Nets, you're not traveling long distance. Okay, can I can I change my prediction? Because okay. I, I pulled it up. I'm going to go three and two in this stretch because I totally forgot that they're, they're going to have a layoff Monday to Thursday. Right. That's, pretty, that's a pretty decent layoff then. So I mean, maybe they can get a light practice in, um, yeah. you know, to work on a few things. Um, like I said, I think the Hornets game, like yeah, that's a must win. And I think they should, they will win that game. Um, that's at home. I think the Hornets defense isn't very good. Uh, I feel like that's a game to get right, get the ship back. And then obviously going into New York against uh, the Nets and the, the Knicks is not easy by any means, but I think they can split that. And then you come back home, you know, you get a day's rest. And then you face a, a a Nuggets team that's also kind of, you know, kind of beaten down. And, you know, I don't know if Jokic is healthy yet. I haven't really looked. I know he's they've been struggling without him. Maybe he'll be back by then. But either way, like it's at home, you know, you get you could you could you could steal that. And I'm not saying they're going to beat all those teams, but I think three and two is reasonable. Um, I guess and, and Cleveland obviously is tough, but. Um, they're they're a young team that's you know up there, but I think three and two is reasonable. And like I said, having those days off is going to be helpful. That's what I look at. And like you mentioned, playing the Heat again, you're going to have the ninth and the tenth off two yeah, days I, between the Cavs and the Heat. I was just about to comment on that because yeah, you're playing the Cavs on the eighth. You're not playing the Heat till the eleventh. So I guess I I shouldn't bash the schedule makers. They actually did kind of help the Bulls there. They it's a rough stretch, but it is pretty spread out. Yeah. I, yeah. I think and then after that heat game, I mean, it definitely lightens up a lot when you get Detroit, Toronto, Lakers, Houston, Toronto, Indiana, Atlanta, Atlanta, Indiana, 
Washington, Orlando, Washington, Dallas. So still a few good teams in there, but lightens up significantly. But I, I think that these are good for the Bulls because, again, it's something to measure them by. And it's a good barometer for if you're going to make the type of deals that we were discussing earlier, just to see you know what stands out to you and what is going to be necessary when we're talking about potentially going into the playoffs and trying to make a run. Agreed. Cause like, you know, when we were talking all those hypotheticals, you do have to kind of see what you got, because to your point, Edward, if you want to start adding shooting, you know, you want to see like, how much do you really want to give up? What What's palatable? Because if you feel like you are in this race, Hey, like maybe you do spend those assets, mm-hmm. you know, and you do have to see what you got. And, you know, if if the swing is as big as a, a Harrison Barnes type move, like we were talking about earlier, yeah, you, you do have to see what you got, and you know this this stretch could help you kind of assess what you're willing to give up and and when to make that move. Because to Salim's point, you know, if it's a, a bigger acquisition you want to make, you want to get that person acclimated as soon as possible, so you're not trying to. Again, have this new team kind of relearn everything, you know, later on. You'd rather do that as soon as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I contradicted myself, but, you know, I I was just thinking about it right now as we're talking. It's like, you know what? I I, I know I said I want to see what this team is, but like I said, if if it is a big move that they're going to make, you want to make that move ASAP because you don't want to, like I say, you don't want to wait till February and then only have a month or so before the playoffs and and we have seen teams in the nba in the past like i still remember um i think it was the cleveland cavaliers it was lebron's first season back in cleveland when they made it to the nba finals they lost to the the warriors in the uh in the 15 finals they made a move i believe it was in january for i think it was jr smith and iman shumpert and it was you know they they struggled a little bit out of the gate and they had hit a rough patch in December, January, and they evaluated and said, we got to make some of these moves to the roster. I think it was actually LeBron who lobbied for it and got it. But, um, you know, yeah. like, well, that's what LeBron always does <laughs> every time. And it's always like LeBron doesn't have enough help. And they're like, dude, he built this team. What are you talking exactly. about? <laughs> yeah. He's the de facto general manager of all these teams. Yeah. Like, but he's basically actually the league commissioner, really. I mean, he, yeah. he causes all the movement around the league. But LeBron, seriously, dude. though, but at that point, you know, like, if you if you can, like, you know, there's nothing wrong with doing this evaluation in December and, and making these kind of moves in January. I, I think that's, you know, before the deadline. If you feel like it's, you know, something that can improve your team and, and you're looking at, you know, the sixth seed and being out of the playing tournament, but you'd rather get into having home court advantage. I mean, you absolutely try to go for that. Yeah. So I, I think, I think we're all probably on the same page. December is the month of evaluation and then January make a move. Yeah. And I, I think the, the other thing that we can't forget is how aggressive the front office has been at the prior de- uh, trade deadline. So we know that if they reach a conclusion that they're going to go out and they're going to go ahead and get what they need and they're not going to really hesitate to do it. So I, I like that about Eversley and AK. Like what they did last uh, on the last trade deadline, trade deadline was really good. And I think they went out and they said, hey, we're going to win now. We need to go in this direction. We're not going to spare, you know, any we're not going to spare anything with it. No, great. And that's one of the things I love about this front office. Like they're, they're willing to put their necks on the line to make these kind of moves. And, you know, for a Bulls fan like me, I really can't complain because that's all I've really wanted to see from my front office is to see, uh, you know, a brain trust that's willing to roll the dice, willing to make these kind of moves. And honestly, one of the things that I'm confident in is, you know, if these moves don't pan out, I don't think it's the beginning of the end. Mm. I feel like they probably would know how to rectify the situation and, you know, take that, you know, one year to kind of reset and get back at it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that we finally, I think, have a brain trust that's willing to be aggressive at times and, 
and make those kind of moves and make those calculated risks. Absolutely. So we'll see how the Bulls can get their act together on these upcoming stretch of games. I I think that they kind of got a little bit of a kick in the ass, a necessary kick in the ass from the Houston game. So hopefully they don't lay an egg like that anytime soon, even though it's a long season. So we know that, you know, there's going to be things that happen. But overall, I think the point was taken. Matt, thank you so much for dropping by on Bulls Gold and uh, just helping us break down this recent stretch of Bulls games and giving us your thoughts on everything. Can you let our listeners know where they can find you at and what you're working on right now? Yeah, and again, thanks for having me on. I enjoy Bulls Gold. It's probably one of my go-to podcasts for, you know, when I want to listen to the Bulls. Like, I'll, I'll be working whenever you guys drop the new episode. I'm always listening. Um, so I always appreciate chance to come on. So thank you. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you can you can find um, me on Twitter at mgentile. That's G-E-N-T-I-L-E 88. Um Rebuildable podcast. You can find it, you know, anywhere you, you stream podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the mm. all the major streaming platforms. Get the latest episodes on Twitter at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. Um, you know, I would follow that if you want to get episodes. Follow me if you want Bulls thoughts, but just beware. I do tweet out Bears thoughts, too. Oh, God. So, you know, if you don't. None of that, man. Yeah. You know, if you're from Chicago and you, you want to, you know, see a, a grown man act like an angry child, then by all means, go for it. Uh, I, I was not a Bears fan during Thanksgiving, so I was. Yeah. <laughs> you can do a separate podcast yeah. for that. Too, if yeah. I was asked about it, I just acted like I didn't hear it, so. <laughs> oh man but yo thank you so much again matt we both enjoy uh going on rebuildable it for me is definitely like made me think when uh, the prior all season made me think a lot about the moves that we were making and definitely like maybe second guess a few things but it's always like a really good exercise and talking to you about like different like hypotheticals and seeing which direction the bulls might go so i know we both had like a blast going on uh, going on your show so i definitely would encourage our listeners to uh check out rebuild uh, rebuildable and give you a follow uh salim any finals also before we wrap up yeah uh, thanks for matt for joining us um i know we've we've had a few um s- schedule issues uh we're trying to get him on for a couple of weeks but um i think a, a couple of months i think i reached out to him um before the season started and we we're just trying to figure out when to get him on, but finally, yeah, it was able to get him on and yeah, his podcast is great. He, he does. I love like some of the different ideas he comes up with, um, for, for mm-hmm. conversation pieces. And obviously he does a good panel shows and stuff like that. So definitely give him a listen, give him a follow. Um, I do want to give him a shout out. I forgot to shout out last week. I had hung out finally with, um, Jack Silverstein, uh, Fred, C red Fred, uh, Doug, Tonus, um, Chris, uh, 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 C-Dub, uh, Big Dave and Matt Peck from Ball and Lockdown. Uh, we just, we, we hung out in the city, uh, at Peace Pizza mm-hmm. and, and Pub. So that was fun. Oh, nice. That was fun to meet up with them and kind of, you know, uh, it was really cool that they invited me out and yeah, I hadn't, I like, I had met Matt and Dave, uh, I hadn't met, like I had met Matt, Dave and Fred and Doug, but I had not met, um, Jack and C-Dub like in person. Um, so it was cool seeing them and hanging out with them. It just kind of cool to have that community where we're going to be, you know, uh, kind of like support each other. And then obviously another thing that's cool, I think guests, uh, if they haven't seen on our Twitters, I think Matt has shared it. Uh, I've shared it too on Bulls Goals Twitter, but we're going to be doing a live podcast uh, at on December 11th at the Windy City Bulls game. So uh, come out, you can get um, you know really good seats, uh, and you can also you know be participated like on the podcast as far as being able to ask questions. Um, you know, uh, Fred, see uh, Red Fred, that is, he's going to be doing the moderating, and it's going to be me. Matt, uh, both uh, Chris and and Big Dave, uh, Matt Peck, uh, Lero from Bulls One Hundred One, 
Um, am I forgetting anyone else? Um, I can't, I don't, I don't think I am. I think that's everyone. Yeah, um, but yeah, we're, we're all going to be there. And, you know, like I said, it's going to be like a panel, a live podcast and yeah, it should be fun. It should be fun time. So listeners, if you have an opportunity, uh, please uh, join us. All right. Yeah, that'll be dope. The Bulls, I always tell you, like, the Bulls podcast community has always been, like, really supportive of everyone. And we all appear on everyone's, like, different shows. And it's just it's just a really, like, solid and knowledgeable and passionate group of people. So it's always dope seeing, like, everyone collaborate with each other on different occasions. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's a lot of fun. And like I said, it's, it's funny, like, you know, doing this, we've, been, we've built friendships from this. So it's mm-hmm. it's nice. Yeah, it's really great. Absolutely. So, yeah, definitely check that out, listeners, man. Definitely uh, check that out if you get a chance. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's it for today's Bulls Gold. Again, thank you for Matt Gentile for joining us. And as always, you can catch our past shows right here on the Barroom Network, on Spotify, on uh, Apple, on Podbean, wherever you get your podcast. And we will catch you next week, Bulls fans. Peace.